you're tuned in to the Restaurant Rockstars Podcast. Powerful ideas to rock your restaurant. Here's your host, Roger Bodwin. Hey there, it's Roger back at you, and this is the Restaurant Rockstars Podcast. You've got to stay tuned to this episode because it's a problem that so many restaurants and hotel operators are having currently. It's a problem I had over many decades of running restaurants. All of a sudden, you find yourself short-staffed with line cooks and sous chefs or an executive chef. Somebody walks out, they get fired, uh, they move on to a new position, and suddenly you've got a successful restaurant and you lose that critical personnel. Well, I'm speaking with Mr. Daryl Deegan, and he's from a company called Main Cater, and he came up with this really amazing recruiting system where he has chefs for hire professional people that are highly vetted and really, really strong skill sets that also have great personalities. So if you've got a short-term need, you got to listen to this episode. Or if you are looking for a permanent position, they help with that too. But it's pretty cool stuff. So stay tuned and I'll see you in the show. Before we start the podcast, I'd like to thank my friends at Cake. Cake is the point of sale built for restaurants that's easy to set up and easy to use. It's simple, intuitive, cost-friendly, and designed to meet the demands of both quick and full-serve restaurants. Cake integrates online ordering and even waitlist management. With Cake Guest Manager, your guests can put themselves on your waitlist. Cake systems have actually increased guest counts by 25%. That's powerful. Support is just a phone call away. It's available 24-7, 365, and training includes Cake University. Cake is cloud-based, so you never lose contact even if the internet goes down. No wonder guest satisfaction is so high. Why not get a free demo at trycake.com forward slash rockstar. If you purchase Cake, you'll get $750 off activation. Now, running your restaurant can be a piece of cake. Check it out. Did you ever wonder why your place is empty, even though it's $5 burger night and your drinks are half price? You look across the street and your competitor's busy. What's going on? Well, the answer is social Wi-Fi, which uses your guest Wi-Fi as a marketing tool to increase sales. Here's how it works. When your customers log in using their cell phone, email, or social media account, you grow your database, and you can now reach these customers in seconds via text or email. Social Wi-Fi is proven marketing firepower with open rates to 95% and conversions of 30%. That means for every 100 customers that you text, potentially 30 of these will respond to your offer, come in, and become repeat customers. That's powerful. Wi-Fi technology solutions are tech experts. For a limited time, they're offering unlimited texts at low monthly subscription rates. They provide everything you need, full tech support, and training. See for yourself at getwifitech.com forward slash rockstars. Now, on with the episode. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. As you know, engaging topics that help restaurants build their brands, rock their profits, and deliver amazing guest service experiences. Today, 
We have a very powerful concept. My guest today is Mr. Daryl Deegan. He is the founder and CEO of a company called Main Cater, which supplies recruiting services across New England for chef personnel and other positions as well. I am so excited to have you on the show today, Daryl. How are you? I'm well. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. You have such a fascinating story of one, your background in hospitality and the, you know, the crazy restaurant business starting at an early age, but then the eureka moment I want to hear about and how you launched Main Cater and what that's all about. So let's start age 14 and move forward. What do you got? Sure. Um, so when I was a kid still in school, I started off just um, as a, a waiter. And then uh, when I was in and about the restaurants, I decided to jump in and be a dishwasher. Um, it just seemed to be a little bit more exciting than running food. Uh, and then just kind of kitchen life uh, caught me from there. Um, I used to, every night after school, on weekends, I was uh, in the dish pit um, constantly. And then I had an opportunity to start making salads and do pastry work. And then that was really it. Um, I'm from Scotland originally. So at age 16, we can leave school. Uh, and I decided to, to leave once I got all my grades and um, ended up becoming a chef on a, on a full-time basis as a trainee uh, and, and really just kind of worked my way up from there. Um, started off as a, a line cook over there. We're called commie chefs and chefy parties uh, and then progressed up to being a sous chef and then eventually being um, an executive chef CDC. Uh, and I used to work at a couple of, of really nice restaurants before having to move out of the small towns that I was uh, living in. Um, so I decided to move down to London for a couple of years, uh, worked at a couple of nice Michelin star restaurants. Um, and then back when I was doing that was when the whole agency chef work started to crop up on the scene. And uh, that sparked my interest being able to jump around from restaurant to restaurant, helping those that are in need for, um, relief work basically for sharp staff restaurants and kitchens. So you were an executive chef in numerous positions and you were living the chef life, you know, long hours and hot kitchens and managing staffs and doing all that stuff. And suddenly you realized that, you know, there was a shortage and other people needed to find chefs. And that's where you just, you know, you kind of, um, grabbed your knives and said, hey, I'm a chef for hire and I can help you out on a short-term basis. Is that kind of how it sort of morphed? Yeah, I mean, uh, back, I mean, I, I say back in the day, it's not, it's not like a long, long time ago, but um, probably about almost 10 years ago or so, uh, that's when the industry in the UK anyway started to really feel the pressures of becoming short-staffed. And, you know, when we were working 70, 80-hour weeks on a, on a salary, and you know your dishwasher was getting paid more than you when this opportunity arose to um, really set your own rate of pay and not be tied down to a particular establishment uh, and you get to bounce around and meet different people that's when I, I really just wanted to jump on that and, and, and do it and yeah basically uh, around about that time the industry was feeling the, the pressures of being short staffed not as much as it is today but that's when it started to really kind of get going um, and that's when I started to, to really become a relief chef. 
You know, this next question may have relevance to Maine Cater, but it also probably has relevance to when you sort of started working as a relief chef. So I see the upside. Okay, here's a fresh new opportunity. Things are constantly changing. You know, I can set my own time. I can set my own pay scale. The benefits are much better than being in the same old position for years working that, you know, executive chef or, you know, sous chef position. But what were the challenges of stepping into somebody else's kitchen and maybe it wasn't set up properly? Did you have to rearrange the line to make things more efficient? Did you have to do ordering and, you know, all those things? Did you have to manage food costs or were you just a hired gun that put out delicious, beautiful food and made the restaurant owner and the customers happy? Was it all those things? All of the above. It really depends on which position that you go in. And the same as, as with uh, my company now with Main Cater, we have different positions. So yeah. uh, you can go in as a line cook, a sous chef, or an executive chef. It was the exact same back then. So if you could you could just quite literally go in and be a, a gun for hire, and you go in, you rock the line, you do your you, you do your shift, and then you go home. Or you can go in and be the sous chef or be the executive chef, and those um, responsibilities that came with the position you would execute as well. So it, it was it was all of the above. It just really depended on the position. Um, but as you can imagine, some of these places were fairly mismanaged. Um, but yes. some of them, they were just short-staffed. I mean, mm. they, had the, they had everything in place. They just couldn't find the people. So the people that you have now on your team, and we're going to talk about the different uh, flexibility ranges that you offer, whether it's permanent or part-time, 86 relief, that sort of thing. Do they have the skill set to jump in and sort of help turn around a troubled situation? Do they know that in advance going in or they're going in and all of a sudden, oh my God, this is messed up and I got to fix that. And you know, you got to get every situation, right? Every, quite literally everything. I mean, we have forms which we ask our clients to complete before our chefs go in. So we get every single piece of detail we possibly can. Uh, and then we brief our chefs on the assignment before they go in. Um, like I said before, sometimes it's just as easy as stepping in, but all of the chefs on our team have to be of that executive chef level because uh, they might be going into somewhere that needs an executive chef to yes. kind of help stabilize their place, or they might just need a line cook. But at least our clients know that when our chefs do arrive, even though they're covering a line cook position, they have that experience and knowledge of an executive chef. So they're not just going to get some random person that turns up. They're getting a pro. Real professional. Exactly. Yeah, they're getting a professional. We have pretty strict guidelines on our chefs that join the team anyway. Yeah. Uh, so they have to pass multi-stage interviews and have certain certifications to join. Um, but we can jump more about, about that later okay. on. <laughs> so you were born in Maine, but then you moved to Scotland. Yep. And then how long were you in Scotland exactly? Um, the UK, about, I would say. Not just Scotland, but the UK in general. About 21, 22 years. Oh, okay, sure. Fair amount of time. And there was a sort of um, soft spot in your heart for Maine, so you decided to come back? Yeah, there was, uh, there's more opportunity in the United States than there is over there. So uh, I was young enough to make that move with no commitments. So I decided to, to make the move back over here. So before we get into the ins and outs of how Maine Cater works, mm -hmm. We have a lot of entrepreneurs that listen. You know, anyone who's running a restaurant has to be an entrepreneur to some extent. A general manager, you got to think like an entrepreneur. You got to think outside the box. You got to be resourceful and creative and all of that. 
how did you put your business model together for Maine Cater and start to assemble flexible people that were looking for new opportunities and better benefits and all that kind of thing? And then you got the geographic challenges where you might have a client here, but your next, you know, the suitable talent might be 50 miles away and now they suddenly have to drive and commute. I mean, I can think about the logistics turning over in my head, but you went through that. So tell us about how you assembled your business model. Sure. So first and foremost, I am, you know, when I started this, I was not a recruiter. I have zero experience in, in the actual recruiting operations itself. But what I am is a chef. And what we, uh, the building blocks of this company was ideally, what does a chef want? You know, how, what is my ideal package situation? Uh, my ideal job? Like, what is it we always complain about in the industry? And then we looked at it from that perspective and said, okay, well, let's just make it the ideal package. So you get paid hourly rates, you get to bounce around from different places. Um, there's you know multiple different benefits, but uh, we thought of it from a chef standpoint first before thinking of it from a client standpoint or a recruiting company standpoint. We put our chefs before any profit and before any client as well because we want to make sure they're happy because once they're happy, our clients are happy and if the clients are happy, we're happy. Well, so our building yeah. blocks and foundation was our chefs first and foremost. Okay. Um, when it comes to like geographical locations, we try and keep the chefs as close to where they reside as possible. We're booked out solid, I mean, constantly. So we'll try and accommodate as best as we can, but I mean, if we can't help, unfortunately we can't help. Um, but we're growing pretty rapidly. Um, so, you know, we've tried to keep everyone as local to where they reside as possible and as local to the client as they can possibly get as well. Um, it takes some finagling on the back end from myself, making sure that everyone's where they need to be. But uh, our chefs also get to pick the assignments too. So we don't really tell them where they want to go. They get to see what we have and they can pick it and, and off they go. So chefs are... You know, there's a network here. And now now that this system works and it works so well, I mean, there's got to be a buzz and, and word of mouth has got to be your best form of marketing, right? Chefs talk to other chefs and suddenly, hey, I got this great gig going. And this guy, Daryl's got this really cool recruiting system, you know, and you ought to check them out. And next thing you know, people are knocking on your door saying, hey, I'd like to be part of this. And then you sort of vet and screen them and then they come into the fold. Am I assuming that or is that really the way it's working? Uh, you're, you're pretty on, on point there. So when we originally started this, people actually thought we were a scam. And the reason they thought we were a scam is because we had all these great benefits that chefs always wanted. And they were kind of a bit perplexed as to why these were being offered, you know, like, uh, so it taken a few brave people to come on board. And I was the first chef, you know, I was the first one to go out there and start working these assignments. Um, but as you know, word spread and people start to realize that we're actually a legitimate company and these are legitimate benefits, um, they decided to join and you know, chefs love to talk and they're all very well connected. So yes. when our chefs are in and out of these kitchens and they're like, hey, where are you from? And you know, our chefs give the story, uh, it kind of plants a seed with them or um, it, they could then talk to somebody else. And a lot of the time chefs join our team through referrals from other chefs. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's how they usually join. We do advertise, but, uh, quite literally about 80% of the chefs that come on board now are through word of mouth. Great. So professional chefs are highly creative, talented, talented people. 
in a, in a wide variety of your assignments, do they have the opportunity to sort of put their stamp on a menu or do they get locked into an existing menu that sort of frustrates them after a while? I mean, is that a legitimate question? It's a legitimate question. Uh, they don't really get frustrated because they're only in someone else's home for a few weeks, you know, and it's when you have that mindset that I'm here to help and I'm only here for, you know, three or four weeks and there is people in the kitchen that uh, creates problems or things like that. It doesn't affect you as much because you're not there for on a full-time basis. Yeah. You're only there for a few weeks. Um, it really varies too. So if they're in as an executive chef or a kitchen manager, they can kind of put their stamp on the menu if the client wants it. If not, we just execute their current menu and, and we go from there. So would you say in most cases, it's, it's an interim position while the restaurant looks for a permanent hire and do they ask, if that is the case, do they ask your, your pro that you've sent in there to help interview and make sure that the next person is a great fit for the situation? Does that ever enter into it? So a lot of the times uh, our clients use both of our services because we do direct permanent hire as well. Um, so what a lot of clients do is they have our chefs come in so they're not sharp staffed until they find a permanent replacement. Yeah. And we also help with that if they want us to. Um, our chefs do handover periods as well. So if we um, if we find them a candidate or they find a candidate, our chef can stick with them for a week or two weeks just to kind of show them the ropes. And then our chef vanishes off to the next one. Um, so it's, yeah, a bit of both. Now your company is growing pretty quickly. And I know you've, besides the chefs that you, that are your hired guns per se, you also have staff that work with you, but are you the primary contact with a client company to make the placement? Because you are a chef and you speak the chef language and you know, you can relate to both the restaurant side as a professional, as well as, as a talented chef. So are you the guy? Uh, yes. Um, for, for most part, uh, everyone that works here, your operations manager, um, any of the other office staff, like we bring on people that's from the industry. Uh, we need to be able to relate to those, you know, clients that haven't taken a vacation in five years. We know what it's like to work those insane hours. Um, so we need to be able to speak the language that they do and they can, you know, speak freely and openly with us. I mean, that's a key, uh, difference between us and other recruitment companies is we're available almost 24 seven, like we work restaurant hours. We don't work nine to five, go home, you know, uh, leave the office for, for, uh, for the days. And we're not just typical recruiters. Like we are quite literally industry professionals that also do recruiting. <laughs> so I'm hearing that the turnaround has got to be pretty quick. Somebody calls you with an emergency situation. I need somebody yesterday and you literally place them there the next day. Is it that quick or how soon, what's the timeline to work with somebody? It can be. I mean, it, it obviously varies on which chefs we have available. Yeah. Um, typically, if someone calls us up and they're like, you know, hey, I'm, I'm in, in the weeds for this weekend, we could find them somebody. I, ideally, it's as soon as they call, we can get them someone. Um, sometimes it could take us like up to a week, but usually we're really fast. Nice. That is cool. So tell me how many chefs you've got, you know, under hire, or, or should I say at your disposal at any given time? I know you've got permanent people, you've got what you call the relief people, and then there's also the flex time people. So there's different, you've got quite a few people. You got like a hundred and something people, right? Uh, we have over 50 full-time chefs on roster, which means that 
they're constantly going from assignment to assignment to assignment. They don't have any like layover periods unless they want to. Um, and then we have uh, about 20 part-time and then like another 20 to 30 flex. So the part-time uh, people are chefs that have a full-time gig, but they can commit to one or two days every single week. Um, and then we have flex chefs, which uh, really kind of we plug into our catering assignments. So catering companies use us. So they'll kind of give us a list of dates that they have that they need help with. And we'll reach out to our flex chefs and say, you know, hey, guys or gals, like these are the dates we need coverage for. Are you able to, to jump right in? So yeah, we have a, a fair amount collectively of around about 90. And the process can literally begin right from your website. I noticed, well, one, you, you have a beautiful website and it just kind of draws you in and it just screams hospitality. I think that's beautiful. So you got a great web designer, whoever did that. Um, but I noticed that it's, it's sort of differentiated between whether you're a candidate, chef, or you're a client company, restaurant or hotel or whatever with an operation. So once you, you know, click on either of those two buttons, can you literally apply online and sort of start the process rolling? Yes, uh, from a client standpoint, if they want our help with direct hire or permanent hire, um, or if they want our relief help, they can just literally click on the links there, fill out our forms, uh, and then it comes right to us. Uh, and then from a candidate's perspective, uh, to either join our team, there's links there to join as well, or to apply for positions we're hiring on behalf of our clients, they can also um, apply there as well. Okay. Yeah. And you obviously share the, the information you said with the chefs and you're trying to make a perfect fit and also mm -hmm. geographically work things out. Do you ask, um, well, you know, why don't you, okay, I'm going to ask you a question, but before I do, do you ask the client restaurant or hotel to provide any sort of photographs of the interior of the kitchen, show the line, show the sort of situation before somebody actually goes there? Or does the chef sort of just pay a visit to inspect it first and sort of, you know, kick the tires a little bit and see what he's going to be dealing with? How does that work? No, we turn up blind um, on yeah. every single occasion. Uh, yeah. We're chefs. We have to be able to adapt to every kitchen. Um, the kind of nice part is I think that kitchens are, although they all are different and they all operate different, we still have like the same underlying language. You know, we all, we, we should all be able to know how to, have correct temps on meats and be able to cook fish correctly and, and do all types of different things, work different stations in the kitchen. So having that uh, base knowledge and experience is, um, is key to us. So we should be able to walk into almost any kitchen and be able to execute what they need done. Um, the nice part too is all of our chefs come from different backgrounds. So, you know, if like a sushi restaurant called us, if we had a, a chef that has experience in sushi or Asian cuisine, we would try and match them to that assignment. Um, if a pastry chef, you know, again, we would try and, or a, a cafe that does pastry or they need a pastry chef, we would try and look for someone with a strong pastry background and plug them into that. So we have a, quite a variety of people we can choose from. Tell us about some of the key criteria or questions that you ask your chefs when you're sort of vetting them to become part of your recruiting network? I mean, what are some of the types of things you look at? And do you ever, I mean, you obviously interview them. Do you ever test them on their knowledge? Um, we don't necessarily test them on their knowledge because we can base it based on their previous work experience and where they've That's worked. Just, yeah. And um, obviously we do reference checks and we, um, mm -hmm. Thankfully, you know, for example, let's just use Maine. 
if they've worked at some restaurants that our chefs have worked at, we'll ask our chefs, hey, do you know this person and what are your thoughts on them? Um, so we would kind of get that insider knowledge on that, that person. Um, it's a great question to ask. We kind of look for personality over skill set more than anything else. So how they interact with us over our phone calls, for example, and our video interviews that we have with them um, is, is kind of key too, because we want to be personable to everybody in the kitchen, the client, and obviously have the skill set to match. But I mean, if you're going into places with a crappy personality, it's not going to work. Um, so we want to make sure that that's kind of key first and foremost. And on the client side of things with the restaurant, you ask them to show you or you go to their website and you kind of look at the menu. So you know what the cuisine is. You ask how many seats do you have? What are your busy times? How many covers a day you're doing? Uh, how many other line employees or staff on the kitchen? You know, that sort of thing. Any other questions that you? Yeah, no, that's pretty much exactly what you just said. We, we ask for a bunch of different details from them, the type of position they need coverage for, the urgency that they need somebody to start, um, you know, the time frame of the assignment, uh, any additional information that, that we kind of uh, that we would need or they would want to provide. We obviously research the restaurant or type of establishment it is as well. And then we pass all of this over to our chefs and ask them to also research the client too prior to turning up. Mm -hmm. Very cool. I was really impressed with, um, I guess, well, part of your business model is how well you treat your people. You're clearly mm -hmm. building and have built and are sustaining what I call the dream team. You know, yeah. you get very little turnover and, and your loyalty is so high because you take such good care of your chefs. You pay them well, you give them bonuses, and you've even given them perks like giving them opportunities to go out to dinner and take their significant others and all this other kind of stuff. I mean, wow. I mean, the buzz has got to be really strong. I mean, again, kudos to that type of situation because it only engenders a positive situation for the client, which is the win-win. You know, yeah. you want to please your clients, please your chefs. Everybody makes money. Everybody's happy. Um, are there any things I'm missing in terms of downside or challenges or things that are particularly difficult in what you're doing? Uh, from a chef's perspective or from our perspective? Uh, either or, just, you know, what are some of the stumbling blocks that you've come across that you've overcome in building this really successful business? Um, to be honest with you, there's not much. Uh, and we've, we've been careful with how we've uh, implemented our structures and procedures going forward. Um, we're getting busier and busier and we need to expand. And that's kind of the, I would say if there was a downfall, that would probably be it because we choose quality people over quantity like other recruitment companies will quite literally take you if you have a pulse we're not like that like we want to make sure we're hiring the right people that fit okay. our team so you know we do turn clients away and it does suck but at the same time we want to make sure that if we are going to send you someone they're the right fit for you and you know you're going to call us back if you need help um, and that's what is a big problem for us but we're, we're happy with it it's a good problem to have Absolutely. So besides executive chefs at that level and sous chefs and, and line cook positions, do you handle anything in the front of the house, bar staff, bar managers, management personnel of any kind? Like tell us what other positions might be, you might be able to help companies with. So with direct hires, we do it all with permanent placements from, you know, food and beverage directors, GMs, all the way down to dishwashers um, and, you know, servers, non-managerial positions. We do everything. Um, with relief help, it's just chefs. And the reason for it is because front of house tend to make way more money 
with tips than what they would with us. <clears throat> so it was kind of a, a problem on on the um, compensation side because, like I said, we don't we just bill at an hourly rate. We don't do hourly rate plus tips. So we did do it originally. Uh, we do still uh, help with front of house for catering, but we're we're actually kind of weaning ourselves off that here pretty soon. Um, so it's just chefs that we concentrate on for the relief help. Okay, well that's your that's your specialty, and as yep. it should be, very cool. So how does it work on the client side? Is it a fee based uh, situation for a set number of you know weeks or however long? Is it based on the length of time? And it's also obviously based on the position. But want to give us an overview of how that would work if I was a restaurant in need of help? Yeah, so we uh, base it on the position and its hourly rates. We do not do salaries. Um, the reason okay. for it is because our chefs. As a chef myself, I'm tired of getting put on a salary and working 90 hours a week. So we base it on an hourly rate and it's on a per position tier. So if it's an executive chef position, they get that rate. If it's sous chef, it's a certain rate. And then if it's a line cook, it's a, a certain rate as well. Um, any hours over 40, we do overtime rates. And if they work on holidays, we charge a holiday rate as well. Um, it's kind of a take it or leave it situation because our chefs are human beings. If, if they are working over 40 hours, they deserve overtime. And if they work yes. on holidays and they're sacrificing their time um, with their loved ones and family, they should be compensated fairly for that as well. No question. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's the rates that we, we charge. We obviously do a different fee for our direct hires as well, but that's on a per position as well. So it's management, assistant management and non-management rates too. Very cool. Is there anything else you want to tell? Oh, you know what? You have already expanded to New England. You're outside of Maine now, or what states are you currently helping or assisting with? Yeah, so our name is Maine Cater, and uh, the reason for it was a very strange name choice for me because we're not a catering company, and people tend to think we are sometimes mm -hmm. just based on the name. Uh, but this was originally, the original concept was actually a job board, believe it or not. It wasn't a recruitment company. Uh, there was a job board because Craigslist started charging uh, like 25 bucks a pop in Maine anyway um, to post a job. So we cr I created this company for people to post jobs and then they started reaching out asking for uh, permanent direct hire help and then they started asking for temporary help and then it just kind of evolved into the company that it is now. Um, when companies in New Hampshire started to hear more about us, they started asking for help and then companies in Massachusetts are now asking for help. So um, as of right now, we're expanding into, uh, we're in Maine, New Hampshire, and then we will be in Massachusetts, Vermont, Rhode Island, and Connecticut by the end of the summer. That is amazing. Are you going to change the name or will it always be called Maine Cater? Uh, we're gonna keep the name because um, we don't want to, based on the following we've kind of already built with people in kitchens, we want to kind of just keep it, yeah. Okay. the reputation we have. I know it is confusing, but um, we have a, a design branding team and they said that people don't really care too much about the names these days anyway. So, the so it's powerful and it works and now it's yeah. working in multiple states. Yep. You know, I see a big picture beyond just New England here. Do you have any plans on franchising this company or taking it regionally to other parts of the country and your company just grows and grows and grows because there's clearly a defined need here? Um, that is a fantastic question. Uh, we decide, decided not to franchise the model 
And the reason we decided not to is because we want to keep consistency. Um, Good point. In kitchens, that is the number one thing is consistency, consistency, consistency. And we want to keep that same model with our recruiting company. Um, when we start franchising things out, people will start to do it their way and things would change and Absolutely. we don't want that at all. Okay. Uh, we are going to be designing, um, this is a few years down the line though, or a couple of years down the line, we are going to be designing something which is an application based for chefs to do what we do themselves. So they're going to be able to um, uh, have put themselves out there as a chef for hire basically and restaurants can find them and book them out and they can do everything that we do but through themselves. But that's a whole other story, a whole other topic, um, still in the early stages yet. Do you have any time to dine out in restaurants yourself? You sound like a pretty busy guy. <laughs> uh, the amount of invites I have is kind of stacking up. Um, we, we do like to go out and meet our clients, obviously, and, and you know, check out uh, how things are going and um, just to kind of show face. But we, we are very, very busy. Um, so our time is a little bit limited. Um, but as much as we can, we try to go out. Yeah. Well, fantastic. Is there anything else you want to tell us about your company or anything that we may have missed in the conversation? Um, no, not really. I mean, uh, just if your listeners are restaurateurs and they, they need some help, just, you know, give us a call, check out our site. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we're, I hate being labeled into the recruitment company, um, even though that's what we are. It's just, we do not operate like typical recruitment companies. We're quite literally industry professionals that uh, help with staffing needs of, you know, restaurants, hotels, bars, bakeries, food trucks, everything. We do it all. Um, and, you know, when you call us up and you speak to us, um, just know that you can, you know, we're talking the same language you do. Well, you're clearly passionate guy, Daryl, and clearly you're a talented chef as well. Did you have early inspirations or are there any chefs that just stand out to you today as being kind of heroes to you or who might those be? Um, back in the day, I used to look up to uh, Marco Pierre White. Um, he's a, an English chef, one of the youngest, I believe, to receive three Michelin stars at Harvey's. Uh, and he was kind of my inspiration growing up as a chef because he kept it raw, original, real, didn't give in to the glamour and glitz, so to speak. I think he did later on in life, but uh, back when I was coming up, he was he was extremely talented and that's who I, I've always kind of looked up to um, throughout everything, really. I think you're a little younger than I am, but I remember the very first celebrity chef back in the 70s, perhaps, maybe late 60s, early 70s, there was a, a Brit named Graham Kerr who was called the Galloping Gourmet. Have you ever heard of him? <laughs> I've not, no, <laughs> unfortunately. He no. Had, yeah, he had his own TV show and he was like really kind of internationally famous. And yeah. like I said, it's sort of, and that was a long time ago. That was decades ago, but he literally, you know, sort of paved the way for all these other, you know, reality TV shows like, you know, um, Rocco Despirito and all the other stuff that really just kind of kept things rolling and Iron Chef and Chopped and all that I believe goes way back to this guy from the UK named Graham Kerr. K-E-R-R -R, I think his name is the Galloping Gourmet. I don't even know why that's relevant but if it's interesting to you watch it out. <laughs> I will I'll definitely. Well actually speaking of Chopped we have a, a couple of Chopped champions on our team um, and people that have, have been on the show. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm so glad you mentioned that. That is so cool. So did they do well? Uh, one of them won, chopped, yeah, uh, and the other one was a contestant 
on that same episode um, and unfortunately didn't win chop but they're great um, one of the things that uh, we are very supportive of is building or helping our other chefs build their businesses so there's a few of our chefs on our team that have their own businesses and they use us as a side gig to supplement their income that's very cool when they're on our team you know we give them access to uh, you know, like our accountants, our lawyers, um, anything, you know, our design team, anything that they kind of need help with uh, or need some advice or guidance on, we also offer that support to them as well because we want to make sure they succeed in life too. Do you use that, you know, that sort of accolade as, as part of your marketing or do the restaurants <laughs> that these chop chefs go into use that in their temporary marketing saying, yep, we've got this guy in the kitchen and he's a chopped winner? I mean, that's pretty cool. Um, we don't throw it around, uh, uh, very, very, you're a pretty rigid. humble guy. I wouldn't expect that you would say so, but you know, this is what this is how my marketing uh, mind works. Yeah. The, uh, the, the girl, Rachel, who won the, uh, the episode, um, she's, she's great. One of our chefs, uh, we, she doesn't really like to kind of put it out there. So neither do we, but it's kind of, um, whenever they ask about the caliber of chef that we're sending and it does happen to be Rachel, we kind of just kind of hint that just so you know, you know, she did win chops. <laughs> She's <laughs> pretty decent. Yeah. I'm really glad you shared that. That added a little bit more color to the episode that was already pretty colorful. How do people find you? Uh, your URL is Maine, the state of Maine, M-A-I-N-E, Cater, C-A-T-E-R.com. Yep. How about uh, social media handles, that sort of thing? Can people follow Maine Cater on social media? Yeah, we uh, have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. So I think we have... you covered all, all the bases. All of the bases, yep. Awesome. Well, you know, it's really been my pleasure, Daryl, speaking with you today. I think it's tremendous what you're doing to benefit this industry with short-term and permanent placements. So again, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Folks, that was the Restaurant Rockstars podcast, and we will see you in the next episode. Thanks for joining us. We're also really excited to announce that we have a brand new website at restaurantrockstars.com. We've simplified everything, and in addition to the blogs and the podcast episodes that are all archived there for you, we have just one system now called the Restaurant Rockstars Academy with multiple levels of membership, depending on what your pain points or your needs are in your restaurant. It all begins with a complete financial system. We teach you what the critical numbers are. Even if you hate the math, we have audio tutorials and completely automated turnkey spreadsheets that teach you what the numbers are, what they mean, where to find them how to plug them into the spreadsheet, and then what the end result is. So you can now analyze your numbers in just minutes per week. Level one also includes the Profit Maximizer video that gives you three ways of maximizing profits in your restaurant. Level two is our SalesStars staff development and training system. It helps you build what I call your dream team staff. There's lots of best practices there, as well as a four module series that teaches the basics of hospitality, what your customers are looking for, teaches your staff not just to deliver amazing dining experiences, but to sell. It teaches key uh, lessons in salesmanship and how your staff can educate, inform, and entertain your customers, which delivers a better dining experience and also increases your check average. You know, level two has been proven to double and even triple check averages. And finally, 
you can get the entire academy system. Maybe you're a veteran operator who's been you know, operating for years, spinning your wheels, wondering why you're just not making any money. Or maybe you're a chef who's always worked for someone else who wants to put his name on the door or her name on the door. But you suddenly realize that it's not just about putting out pretty food. It's also about marketing and staffing and human resources and insurance and all the ins and outs in addition to the financial picture. So, you know, whether you're just starting your very first restaurant and you need to know everything to open your doors and then run it profitably, or you're a veteran operator just looking for new sources of profits, you'll find it all in the Academy. So please check out restaurantrockstars.com and check out the Academy. Finally, we really appreciate your listening. If you like what you're hearing, please give us a review on iTunes. It'll help other managers and owners and GMs and people in the business find us. Thanks again, and if you have a suggestion on any topic you'd like to hear about, drop me an email, roger, R-O-G-E-R, at restaurantrockstars.com, and I'll see you next time. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to the Restaurant Rockstars Podcast. For lots of great resources, head over to restaurantrockstars.com. See you next time.